Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Looking beautiful this morning. Singing so well. I'm sure our locations are singing well this morning too. And if you're watching online, I hope you're engaging with us too. And this is week three of our series on Our House Well, we're looking at the values or house rules, I suppose you could call them, of our church, wasn't it? And week one, Leon spoke about us being a vision house, and week two, last week, he spoke about us being a generous house. But he said a phrase um, last week that I really picked up on. He said this, he said, we need to be an open house for anyone and everyone all of the time. So as that is a truth for us here, because it happens all of the time, let me tell you, you know, um, it's really important that we can connect with the people that come in, that walk in, you guys, people watching us online, how we connect is really, really important. So this week we're going to look at our house is a relational house or, or how we live life better together. Now, I don't know what some of your house rules were when you were growing up or whether you had any. We had some, and I'm going to share some, some, of, your, some of mine with you this morning. And they may sound a little weird, because house rules normally are, but, but here was number one, okay? We could never dunk chocolate biscuits. Never dunk chocolate biscuits. Any other biscuit was fine, but if we were caught dunking a chocolate biscuit, I don't know what all that was about. I think it was maybe because they were slightly more expensive to buy, or you're supposed to enjoy them more, and maybe it was seen as some kind of sin to dunk them in your PG tips, but we could never do that. Number two, we couldn't eat tomatoes straight out of the fridge, like out of the bag out of the fridge, or even pick them off at the greenhouse that my dad had, little cherry tomatoes which we loved. We could never pick them off the vine. They aren't plums, Jane, he used to say. Um, but we could chop them up on our salad, but we couldn't eat them straight out the bag. But another one of them was, which I suppose is one of the most important one, is that as a family, we sat down to one meal a day, whichever meal that was, normally evening, where we sat around the table as a family and we connected. And I don't know how many of you had that experience. Some of you may not have had that. But basically, when I look back, it was, well, my parents talked to me and I just grunted, basically. You know, how was your day? Mm -hmm. How was school? Mm -hmm. You know, it was one of those sort of conversations. But they tried to keep the family connected. And it's how we had the opportunity to relate to each other. But there's something, isn't there, about setting time aside to be with people and to connect. Do you know, and I think the 21st century person has a lot to get over with this thing, connection. We've got some challenges, I think, to get over. Because the hallmark of our civilization, we are Western predominantly here this morning, um, and we have been brought up and conditioned to think about I and me and my, and we've not been given much thought time about thinking in terms of we and our and us. And even the devices we have, aren't they? They're all prefaced by the word and the letter I. iPad, iPhone, iPod. It's where I can customise preferences to fit me. But here's the thing. About 3.5 billion people are connected to the internet, they tell us. Our world is more connected than it has ever, ever been. And I've access to get to know people. I can see into their world. I can re- reconnect with people from my past should I choose to, all with the swipe of a screen. But still, we're having a hard time 
feeling known. We've got the pair of connection at our fingertips, and yet we don't quite know how to connect. You see, church isn't an iPhone where we can customise preferences to fit me, and it becomes an iChurch. You see, the church is people, lots and lots of messy people, who come together with all their life experiences and all their stuff to get together and worship and sing like we've done this morning to Jesus. It's a we church. And I can't talk about some of the stuff that I'd love to talk about this morning, about being relational, because relationships can bring problems and can bring with it conflict. So here's some great news for you. Last week, Leon, Andy and I got together and we recorded a whole session for you about what happens when we have conflict as a people and as a community. And that's going to drop online on Wednesday, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, either audio podcast or a vodcast, if you're really hip and trendy. And I'd really encourage you to catch that. And we've, did, we've sort of given 30, 35, 40 minutes to talking about some of our experiences and maybe some wisdom that we can give out to you about the whole issue and, and agenda of conflict. So I'd encourage you to look out for that because I can't cover that today. But I know that in mentioning the word relational, some of you are getting a bit twitchy. Because it means some things to you that it may not mean to other people. It can be really scary, can't it, relating to people? And you could come up with several reasons why, do you know what, Jane? That isn't even top of my wish list, you know? And here's some that I've thought about that you may be thinking about right now. So, connection means I can't hide. You know, people know or notice if I don't turn up to things, don't they, if we're connecting in person? Connection can be intimidating, can't it? You know, maybe you feel like you don't have it all together today and you look around and you think others do. Let me assure you, look at the person next to you. They do not have it all together. They don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. Connection can require some curiosity on our part. I've got to know and ask questions. I've got to show an interest. But you know what? I don't want you to see the mess in my life. And I'm sure you don't want me to see the mess in yours. And if you're checking us out today, and if you're watching us online, and you're thinking about coming and visiting us in person, let me assure you of one thing. You are not going to be greeted at the door like this. Hi, nice to see you. My name's Jane. What's the worst thing you've ever done in your life? That is not going to happen. That is not the type of connection we're talking about, okay? Because, let me tell you, connection requires vulnerability. It takes courage to be the real you in person, doesn't it? But let me tell you, it's a journey we're all still on. And they are all valid reasons, you know, why we shy away from connection. But do you know what? We all desire a form of connection because we were born with an intrinsic human desire and design to connect. And if we don't meet it in healthy ways, let me tell you, we'll find unhealthy ways of doing it. And our heart here at Live Central Church is to provide healthy opportunities for connection to happen. So what does it mean then when we say we're a relational house? What does it mean when I say we we think life is better together? If an I church is about me and my preferences, then a we church is about Jesus and his preferences. And he's given us a really great example of what that would look like 
We're going to look at it in a moment in the book of Acts, where we see messy people coming together, just like we are today, just like you are in our locations this morning, and we're introduced to the values or the house rules of that early church. But let me give you a bit of context. The chapter before these verses is what we call Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, where Peter stood up and he spoke, and the Bible tells us that 3,000 people became Christians that day. 3,000 people. But some of them stayed in Jerusalem, and they formed the very first church. So let's see what they got up to. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They quickly realised they were in this together. They seemed to naturally come together. They seemed to connect, to have relationship. But what brought them together as a people? It's the very same thing that brings us together today. The very same thing. You know, we're not brought together by our love of films or recipes, you know, or exercise. You know, we're not even brought together by the fact that we're all from the same country or we speak the same language. Look around you this morning. Look around you in our locations. Look at the diversity we have. And it was the same for that early church family. Have you ever thought about who would be there? That Jews and Gentiles. Historically, People who had little or no respect for each other. They had slaves and free people in those times. People with different statuses and experiences. They had men and women who had very distinctive roles in their society. All being together in the same space. And when we get together, believe me, we do talk about films and we do talk about other things that that interest and hobbies, but we also talk about Jesus and his word, the Bible, because the only thing that unites us together, despite all of those differences, is Jesus. Jesus unites us despite our different ethnicities, our different backgrounds, our different experiences, and our different preferences. What we have in common is far, far more significant than what might separate us. And when you read those verses, you could think, well, that's too good to be true, Jane. Do you know what I mean? We could never be like that church. Listen, that's church at its best. But they had their testing times as well. If you read on through the book of Acts, you'll see plenty of times where they had disputes and miscommunication, all that stuff that groups of people had. But the New Testament emphasises the importance of community. And just because our community might not quite measure up to that one on the screen today in some way, doesn't give me an out to follow Jesus by myself. Because here's the truth for you. I was designed by God for community. I am called to be involved in community. And I'm at my best 
in community. It's where we grow most naturally. Church is not a building or a place. And the early church didn't devote themselves or connect themselves to a building. They connected themselves to each other. And this word, fellowship. Fellowship. What's fellowship? Fellowship simply is doing life together. You know, church isn't something you attend. It's something you are part of. And those verses we read show us that we're to spend time with each other. We're to care for each other. Even sacrifice for each other. Give generously to each other. And we can do that on a Sunday here. But if I'm honest, when I do those things like being in church with you guys this morning, it can be a bit planned. I've got my best top on, got my best jeans on, got my clean shoes on. I'm looking the part, okay? I'm, I'm come to have community. Fellowship or relationship in this sense is more like, do you see me when there's laundry on my floor? Do you see me when there's dishes in my sink? Do you even see, do you even see when your baby is crying? I remember we had a couple of people around for a meal a few years ago and we were halfway through the main course and I looked up and there for the glory of everybody to see was mine and Russie's underwear all drying on the radiator. <laughs> and I thought, they've got to have noticed that. And you have that dilemma, don't you? Do you like quickly walk past and go <laughs> and whip them off, drawing attention to it? And I just thought, do you know what? We're halfway through the main course now, suck it. They've seen what I'll get my own. Marks and Spencer underwear, so, jog, you know, it, and literally, it's like that, isn't it? It's like, you need to see me on my good days and my bad days, and my bad days. Doing life together has wonderful times of encouragement, but it also brings with it its bruises and its frustrations. But we stick it out because we love Jesus and being together. And relational is the really deliberate word that we've chosen. Because I can show love to somebody without having a relationship with them. So if being relational, doing, being, you know, doing life better together is a really high value for us here at Life Central, what do we mean? What do we mean? Number one, we mean being personal, not functional. I can have a functional relationship with my doctor or my plumber without it being personal. And I'm not talking about having cliques either. Jesus was open and outgoing to all, and so should we be. We know we can't relate to everyone in a personal way, but we really want our church, our community, to be a place where the atmospheres we create help these kinds of relationships form easily and are valued. Because we can't form relationships in rows, we have to do it in circles. Second thing is, we mean deepening relationships. I don't want to stay at a superficial level with people where I know a few things about you and ask how you're doing, but I don't really hang around for the true answer. And I've used the word deepening, not deep, because relationships are always in process, aren't they? They're not static, and they take time. Number three, we mean supportive relationships. Um, Russ and I recently went on holiday and we were really um, blessed to be able to walk around and see the sequoia trees. You know, you've heard of sequoia trees. They are giant trees, giant trees, huge. And their average age is about 800 and 1,000 years old. I literally stood inside one. It was unbelievable. Um, they've withstood storms. They've withstood earthquakes, winds, floods. They're about 800 and 1,000 years old. And you'd think, wouldn't you, that their roots must be 
tremendously deep to anchor down, to stop them falling. Do you know what? These giant trees, their roots are only three feet deep and at most 15. So what's the secret? What's the secret? And this blew me away because nature is giving us a really crucial lesson here. Underneath the surface of these trees are interlocking roots, like an army of soldiers who will like have their arms entwined. They literally seek each other out. And their interlocking roots provide stability and strength. They are stronger. Together, they're literally holding each other up. And under the surface, they're embracing each other. They're embracing each other. They share all their water and nutrients with each other. And if something happens to one tree, the other trees around them feel it. They're impacted by it. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And I think Jesus designed the church to be a community like sequoia trees that care for each other. Not just our pastors, not just our leaders, not just our elders or people who've been here a long time, but every single person should be connected and relate or be related to. Because our real strength is in our willingness to care and support each other. And that's why Life Central Church is a relational house. And we'll continue to strive to be a relational house because we don't want to use people and love things. We want to love people and use things that God has given us. The fourth thing, we mean relationships that build one another's faith. The bottom line in why God designed us to be in relationship with each other is so that we can help each other find and follow Jesus. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants this community here to be a people whose lives can be woven together in such a way that we help carry each other's burdens and we encourage each other's faith. So if that's what we mean, how do we do that? Three simple ways that I feel that we do that through the life of this church. Number one, through love and care. Through love and care. To do this, we encourage us to be together. Do you know how difficult it is to love, encourage and care for somebody if you never ever see them and never ever with them? And if you go back to the verses that we read in Acts, you know about devoting themselves to fellowship. They broke bread. They were filled with awe. Um, The next slide. They were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread. They ate together. They praised God and enjoyed the favour of all the people. You know... Some, we can read that and we can get a bit scared by that, a bit overwhelmed by that. Let me tell you two things that these verses don't mean. They don't mean that if you're a Christian, you can't own anything. It doesn't mean that. People met in their homes, so they must have owned them. But these verses don't mean it's an enforced way of living either. It's a voluntary effort. It's a voluntary effort that people are making to care for each other. And I want to assure you, You were under no compulsion this morning to give and to care, but they did it because they wanted to, because it strengthened them. They started to connect just like those sequoia trees. Second thing is we relate to each other by serving together. You really get to know people, you know, from from sharing experiences, don't you, and working together. That's why there was such a big push about the dream team. And the dream team isn't just because we want you to come and help make the resources of the church run. It's because we know that it forms 
better relationships and friendships. It brings and forms connection. So I want to encourage you, if you're still thinking about the dream team and about where you could contribute into the life of our church, have a conversation with somebody about that. It really brings connection. And thirdly, we relate to each other through our small groups that we call connect groups here. The early church gathered in large gatherings like this, and they must have had an awesome time, like we are this morning, you know, they got to see each other, they got to worship, they're probably challenged and encouraged by somebody speaking, you know, like we did, they, get, they got to give back. And there's so much to be gained from a larger gathering like we're in today. But I want to kindly, you know, gently give you a little challenge if I can be so bold. If all of your being together is done through these larger gatherings, you're really missing out on one of the biggest blessings of relationship. Verse 46 says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. The smaller gatherings were equally as important as the larger ones because that's where most of the fellowship of doing life together, of sharing takes place because the reality is that you can have uh, you can't have many close relationships can you in bigger gatherings like this but in a smaller group you can I can get to know you I can share what's going on in my life and I can hear what's going on in yours you see we need each other the church is composed of many parts and every part is needed being relational is a priority for us why Because this house, being a relational house, means that how we live our lives together positively influences how people see and experience Jesus, even for the first time. And that may be your experience today. And a guy called Skip Heitzig says this, our witness aids our witness. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, that's important. Our witness aids our witness. So as I finish today, I just want to share three quick things about what I've learned about being relational here. What has been my experience? I've been here about 23 years now, so what have I learned? What have I experienced about being relational here? Number one is this, I have learned more about God when I've connected with people here. Have you ever sat with people across a coffee table from them or in a room with them and you've heard them just share about what God's done in their life or their story? Anybody ever done that? Yeah? And how encouraged and uplifted did you feel after it? It strengthened your faith. I bet you walked away encouraged and inspired. And that's exactly because God has designed us to encourage one another on. The second thing is I've learned more about myself. You know, so many times when I've gained insight into what's going on with me or who I was, it was because I allowed somebody in. Do you know what? We all need encouragement. We all need wisdom at times. We all need advice. We all need direction. And do you know what? God uses us for those things. Yay! But do you know what? I have grown. But the most important one is this. The third thing is this. I realize that I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Two of the most powerful words in the English language are the words me too. And that can go from, do you know what? Do do you like watching, I don't know, Call of Duty, not Call of Duty, Line of Duty. Yeah, me too. 
Do you like watching Marvel, Marvel films? Yeah, me too. I like Mexican film, I like Mexican food. Me too. Then what about when it gets to, do you know what? I'm just struggling with something with my child at the moment. Do you know what? Me too. Do you know, I, I've just had a really sort of worrying diagnosis or conversation with, with my doctor. Do you know what? I had one of those. Me too. The power, the power of saying me too. Connection, relationship has the power to pull somebody out of isolation. Do you know that? The feeling of being alone in something, of being the only one you think's experienced something. Can I tell you something? No matter what you are going through or will go through or have gone through, I can probably categorically say there will be somebody in this fellowship somewhere that could say, me too. So what are some practical steps we can do as we finish this morning? What am I asking you to do with this value of doing life, being, doing life better together? And it's this. When was the last time you called somebody? Just check to know how they were doing. And whether you follow Jesus or not this morning, these things are really, really important things that we can do in our world. Last time you had a conversation with somebody. When was the last time you visited someone? They're all like COVID restrictions are quite relaxed and stuff, you know? When was the last time you actually visited somebody that maybe we've not seen or you've not seen for a while? When was the last time you sent an encouragement? Maybe through an email or a text or a message or a gift, which I am open to, by the way. When was the last time you found a smaller gathering? Maybe you need to find a connect group. We'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you've stopped going. Maybe go again this week. Maybe, you know, join the dream team and find a place to connect where you can contribute to this community. Or maybe for you it's this one. Come back next week. Come back next week. Connection is a really felt need. People are longing for meaningful friendships, for meaningful community that they can call their own. They're longing for a family. We are built to belong. And this church can be a place of community for the community. Where we can put our pettiness to one side, can't we? Where we can elevate the needs of others above my own, can't I? Because this church can be the family that maybe you never had. Everyone needs a community. Everybody needs a family outside of their family. And I want to ask you to stand this morning as we finish. And I want you to think about which one of those things could you do as a practical step today? So just close your eyes and just think, what are you saying to me, Holy Spirit? What are you asking me to do? Are you asking me to call someone? Is there somebody I could visit? Is there somebody you're prompting me to send a message to or encourage? Or maybe you've just got this urging inside you that, you know what, I might come back next week. I might come back next week. You know, maybe you've been coming here or coming to one of our locations and as soon as the first notes start to play, you've got your coat and you're heading to the door because you've enjoyed it so far, but maybe that's a bit of a step too far for you, I want to challenge you this morning and invite you. How about this week, as you get to the door, stopping and saying hi and bye to that person, or maybe even be braver, stay and have a cup of tea and coffee. 
Why not let your sequoia root start to inch out and connect with somebody else's? And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at who you connect with and the strength that you'll start to feel from that connection. Why? Because God is a relational God. God is a relational God. And He invites us to have a personal, deepening, supportive and faith-building relationship with Him because from that source, we can be those things to each other because He's a good, good Father. Amen?